Well, I want you to leave here today positive. Um, Mike talked about a gut, gut punch, and it does, and he started out with Psalm 139. And I want you to see in your notes. Let me read the introduction in your notes, then we're going to go right into the scripture. And by the way, I need to tell you the next, uh, towards the bottom, there's a correction on only. I put the word own in your notes, but it's only. I read it again and again and again, but when you write it something, it's hard to find your own mistakes. Look at the introduction. Today is washed and ready for service. The very God who knit these disciples' feet together in their mother's womb was now washing those dirty feet. Now we're going to read Psalm 139, go back to Psalm 139 and read what Mike didn't read because I wanted to actually read it in part of the sermon this morning that he didn't know what I was doing. Jesus never wasted a moment. He constantly trained his disciples. He trained them in all kinds of different ways, how to serve, how to love, how to teach, how to model servanthood. He taught them on a regular basis. Go back, to, if you would, with me to Psalm, 130, uh, Psalm 139, where Mike read from this morning. But we're going to pick up where he stopped. When you dare say amen, Psalm 139. You need to know this. If you're living today, you need to thank your mother. You say, well, I don't know my mother. I was adopted. You need to thank God for your biological mother, whether you're adopted or whether you live in a household with her or whether she's passed. You're here today because God had a plan for your life. Now, when I was saved, I might have said God had a plan for your stinking sinful life, right? Remember back in the day when he used to sing Amazing Grace? We've changed it to the word wretch because wretch is something we don't use in our language today. But the old song used to say, what a worm am I? How many of y'all would like to identify as a earth-crawling dirty worm, right? Anybody? That's what the Bible talks about how our sin is before God. Un unworthy, filthy before God. That's what people used to sing in the church. Oh, what a worm am I. I'm just a belly-crawling worm eating dirt because that's all I'm good for. That's what we're made of. And yet, now we've changed it to wretch, because we don't use, use that word often, but that's still a bad word. But who does Jesus make us? When we give our heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, we've been redeemed, the old has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. But look where it starts, Psalm 139, when you're there, say amen. Look at verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. How did the psalmist know this? Because he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When the psalmist writes this, he knows what's happening inside the mother. Not in her stomach, because we tell our kids, right, mommy's pregnant, has a belly, mommy, the baby's in mommy's belly. The word is very specific to the womb. And unfortunately, today in our culture, the womb has become the baby's tomb in so many cases. And we just, we just say it's just a choice. It's murder. M-U-R-D-E-R, -E murder if you abort a baby. If you have aborted a baby, listen, there's room for forgiveness. If you paid to have an abortion, there's room for forgiveness. But you need to understand that was cold-blooded, calculated, premeditated murder. You paid for it. You went in and did it because you knew what was happening. You knew that would become a baby or is a baby, not become. Babies are formed at conception. Have you all seen, and we talked about this, our new Supreme Court justice. They said, when does life begin? And she said, I'm not a biologist. I don't know. God forbid we get a fool like that to, get, to rule over us. I'm not, it's not knocking on the lady, but if you don't know, and then they ask her what a man or woman was, and she said, I can't tell. If you can't tell what a man is, something's wrong with you. If you can't tell what a woman is, something's wrong with you. And if you can't tell when life begins, something's wrong with you. And it's not a head issue of knowledge because she's an intellectual person. It's a heart issue that you're far from God. You can be religious and still be far from God. The Bible's very clear that God knit us together in our mother's womb. Amen? You, if you don't believe me, read what the Bible says. Verse 14, the psalmist says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, 
And that my soul knows very well. Every man, woman, boy and girl's soul knows that you were put together by God. You can look around and we can look at our different colors of shades of skin color and look at our fingers. If we're not deformed in some way, all of us have five fingers on our right hand, five fingers on our left hand, five toes on our right foot, and five toes on our left foot. There's this cat in the Bible that had six toes and six fingers on each limb, but he was Goliath's brother. You go back and read about it in the Old Testament. And he was, an, he was not normal, right? These were giants. There was something wrong with these boys, and uh, they were big. But for all of us, hold your hand up just look around just so you know you can prove my point. Everybody, everybody show me your hand. Give me a kind of like a hello like this, right? Look at the hands. Look around. Different shades of brown, and I'm not white, so I'm, I'm, I'm a shade of brown. So you look, at, you look at our colors and look at our hands. Isn't God a wonderful masterpiece artist? He knit us together in our mother's womb. The Bible says he knows us. He knows you personally. The, the, the psalmist is celebrating, and he says this very clearly. That your soul knows this. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I, made, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. What is greater than mankind? The answer is nothing here on earth except our creator. Now you think about, I wanted to set this sermon up today. I want you to see washed and ready for service. How many of us have actually gone to the market or gone to a place and they had a bag of apples or whatever it might be? Really more than you could eat, but you thought they looked so nice, and you brought them home, and you washed them all up, and put them out ready for service, and right, ready to eat, right? And then you eat about one or two, and like, I'm tired of them apples, right? How many of y'all have ever bought fruit, washed it, and then put it on the shelf, and did not, didn't finish it all? Anybody? Raise your hand if you have. Wasteful people. <laughs> Me too, right? I'm sick of avocados. I've been eating avocados that are coming out my nose, and they're ripening faster than I can eat them, so I'm eating them on toast, I'm eating them at supper, and I'm done. I threw the rest of them away. What good do those avocados do that I threw in the trash? What good did they do? Absolutely nothing. They were washed like the ones when I first got them. But I threw them away because they were so ripe. They were getting ripe. I couldn't use them. They were turning colors on the inside. Here's what I want you to understand. We finished this. Mike talked about a gut punch today for this sermon, this, this past uh, part of Scripture the Lord Jesus speaks clearly. He never, by the way, speaks unclearly, if that's a word. He always speaks with clarity. Every single time, it's us. He washes all of the disciples. I want you to get this in your mind, and I'll say it again in the message. He washed all of the disciples' feet. And he knew one of them was betraying him. He knew one of them was going to go in the garbage. Judas was going to betray him and turn on him, but yet he still washed his feet. His feet. They, and look, look at the scripture. I'll show you when we get into it. Let's jump in back to John chapter 13. This is very interesting. If you've never listened to a sermon today, listen today. This is important. This is important. Chapter 13, Jesus is about to go to the cross. We just celebrated Easter, and we passed through this message, but we're back on the front side of Easter now that we would celebrate. Verse 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to, do the, uh, to the Father, Having loved his own who were in this world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, his outer garments. He took on a towel and he girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin 
and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. It was around his waist. Kind of like he was maybe at the swimming pool. They would have these undergarments. He would probably had his shirt off and he would have been there. His outer garment would have been off uh, for sure. The, 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 almost like a high priestly garment that he had. And he would have had this towel tied around. It was a servant's towel. Verse 6. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? It wasn't a question because you could say, well, he's Captain Obvious. Duh, he's washing everybody's feet. So, Peter, when he comes to you, guess what he's going to do to you, right? Peter has come to the place, are you washing my feet? Because they recognized him as the master. They've seen him do all the miracles. They've, they've seen Lazarus raised from the dead. They've seen the blind see. They've seen the deaf hear. They've seen miraculous things at this point. And Peter's like, but you're the top one. You're the master. You're the teacher. You're the rabbi. Are you going to wash my feet? No. Because remember, just before this, all the disciples were walking down the path talking about who was the greatest in the kingdom of God. Right? They're bragging about who's better than who. And here comes Jesus, who they know is better than all, and yet he's humbled himself to actually wash their feet. Let's continue. This is important for you to understand today if you don't know if you're saved or lost or you don't know where you are with God. Jesus answered verse 7 and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head, right? And just get, give me a shower. If you're gonna, I want to be a part of you because you are the Messiah. I, I want to be in your group. Verse 10 is very important for us to remember. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to be washed to wash his feet, but it's completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Let's pray together. Father God, would you bless the reading of your word and this message this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, on this Memorial Day weekend, on this Lord's Day day we come in, I want you to take these notes and take them seriously. And like I said, I'll give you a correction on the notes for myself that I made. Verse 1, first part of verse 1, I want you to see, Jesus knew time uh, to return to the Father had come. Passover was his time. John constantly talks about the feast. Remember, potentially millions are coming back to the Passover. Every male uh, 20 years or older, had to come back from wherever you were, Europe, in the, in the continent of Africa, wherever you were, you had to come back home to Jerusalem, and you had to come and celebrate the feast. There was three feasts like this, three festivals like this that God ordained in the Old Testament. You will come back, and you will do this every year. And so that these men and women are traveling back to Jerusalem. I'm sure they're seeing family and friends. They're staying wherever they, they can. And here comes the Passover. It's coming up. What do you have to bring for the Passover? Everybody, since, since they left Egypt, and if you don't understand the Passover, go back and read uh, Exodus in the Bible, where God says, listen, uh, the death angel is going to pass over you. You're getting ready to leave. Prepare yourself a meal. Prepare a lamb. Prepare the lamb. Take the blood of the lamb. Dip some hyssop. We'd call it cattails in the blood. Paint the blood over your door whenever the death angel passes over you, and you have the blood. He will see the blood, and he will pass over you. And then, by the way, you will pass over the Red Sea. They didn't know that. That was a secondary bonus for this whole trip, that they're going to pass through and come to freedom. But the Passover was the blood was the blood of the lamb would be applied to the doorpost. 
The death angel was coming through to kill the firstborn of every animal and every human. And as it came through, firstborn son, and as it came through, when the death angel saw the blood, what would he do? It would pass over. That's where the word Passover comes from. And now Jesus is coming up to Jerusalem like everyone else. He knew his time would come. He knew that this Passover, this specific Passover, that there was only going to be one truly sacrificial lamb, that he was the sacrificial lamb, that this was the plan of God. This is why he came to earth to save sinners from their sins, that he would actually no longer just put blood over sin and cover them, but now that he would actually come and take away anyone who would confess him as their Lord and Savior, he would take away their sins. See the plan? This was the plan of God. Jesus was God, is God. Jesus knew the plan of God, and he knew this particular Passover, this year, the Passover, I am the Lamb. I must die. I am the Son of God. I am the sacrificial Lamb. I am the Passover, capital P, capital L, Passover Lamb. So I want you to get that in your head. He knew his time was coming. He knew that he was the sacrifice. How would you, I mean, could you imagine that? He still was 100% human. The Bible says, Hebrews tells us that he was just like us. He was tempted in all kind of ways that we've been tempted. He knew the reality of pain. I'm sure he got splinters in his hands growing up. We know he bleeds because his blood is what came out of his side. We know that he feels pain because he was in agony when he was on the cross. He was 100% human, yet 100% God. How in the world can that be? And the answer is, I don't know. That's something only God can do. Something only God knows. You say, well, I don't believe it. That's not my problem. That's your problem with God. But I want to tell you, listen, you can either receive his message by faith if he draws you to himself and have forever with him in heaven, or you can reject his message of Jesus Christ and you can die and go to hell forever. That's the truth from the word of God. You say, well, I don't like that. There again, we got the same problem. It's not my problem. That is your problem. You need to fight that person in the mirror because you follow you everywhere you go. It don't matter if Billy Graham's preaching back in the day. It don't matter if anybody, your favorite preacher is preaching today. It don't matter if I'm preaching or if your mom or daddy's trying to tell you. Listen, it doesn't matter because the same person looking at you in the mirror at the hotel is the same person looking at you in the mirror at your bedroom is the same person that looks at you everywhere you go. Look in the rearview mirror, you'll see you. You see where you've been, all that damage and collateral problems you have. And then when you look forward, all you need to look forward, listen, if you're a Christian, you look for the hope of heaven. Amen. He's coming one day and I'm going with him. And if I die before he comes, I'm going to be with him. Regardless, I'm going to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. But let me tell you, if you're lost here today, you say, well, I have religion too. Hey, religion sent these Pharisees straight to hell. Those guys are cooking today. These very people that are around him trying to crucify him, they're in hell today because they were religious and they felt like they were right. Listen, I have, listen I'm convicted. I have my convictions. I'm sincere. Can you be sincere and be sincerely wrong? Yes, so many people in Jesus' culture were sincere about what they believed. Listen, you can't tell us what to do. If we keep this mess up, if Jesus keeps preaching like he's preaching, if he keeps raising the dead, if he keeps healing the blind, Rome's going to come and take our position away and probably shut us down. And by the way, Rome did come shortly after Jesus' short time. Rome came in 70 AD and crushed Jerusalem and destroyed it. So the very thing they feared came true, but not because of Jesus. You know why it happened? Because of God's plan. You don't have to like God's plan today. But you have to have faith that it's true. And if you don't have faith, you say, well, I, don't, I, I can't believe there. This message isn't for you today then. You wasted your time coming this morning to hear the truth. But I want to give you the truth because that's my job as a herald, as a preacher, as someone to give the message out. Look at the second part of verse 1. Jesus loved his disciples like only God can. Any of y'all hard to love in this room? 
Any of y'all spouses hard to love in this room? Don't look. Any of your children hard to love? You ever just drew your hand back sometime like, if I, right? And DSS comes in somehow in the language, they're going to take your kids away. Anybody? You, you want to do this sometimes? Yeah. And even yourself, like, why did I do that? You want to do it to yourself? Why did I do that? Listen, Jesus loved these disciples. They were just arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. James and John's mama just came and said, hey, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, can my boys sit beside you? Can they be sub-rulers with you? Judas is out making a deal. He's trying to get 30 pieces of silver on the side, on the DL. He's over there trying to get money to betray Jesus because he wants Jesus to kick into action because he wants him to be Messiah and, and beat Rome and beat all the other leaders. Everybody had motives. But God's motive was love, no matter what their character was like. And remember, Jesus is fixing their character as he goes. That's the beautiful thing about what's called sanctification. That's a big church word. That means you're saved. Like there's a time that your mama gave birth to you, right? That Psalm 139, you were knit together in your mother's womb, and out you came, right? Some of you came. You came out naturally. Some of you came out by a C-section. Some of you came out all different ways, but you came out. You're here today, so you came out. Those that are watching by Facebook and YouTube, you came out, right? You're here today because you were born once upon a time. Hey, would you agree? Can you argue that? Everybody pinch yourself, see if you're here. You were born. Jesus told Nicodemus, ruler of the Pharisees, you must be born again, John 3, 3. There is a time in your life that you must receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You say, well, how will I know? It's when the Spirit of God says, today's the day of salvation. What he's saying, what she's saying is true from the Word of God. Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And by faith, you say, Lord, I don't understand all this, but I know I'm a sinner. I don't have to have anybody convince me of that. I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sins. Would you forgive me of my sins? I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you were buried in a borrowed tomb, and I believe that God raised you from the dead. The Bible says when you believe that and you say that to him, you will be saved. Amen? That's a promise from the Word of God. You shall be saved. The other part of it is wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Can you all say that with me? The wages of sin is death. Some of you didn't want to say it because you're living in sin. Say it with me. Say it with me out loud. Let's say it. The wages of sin is death. Some of you got your head bowed like you're sleeping. You hear every word I'm saying. And God is going to judge you, brother, sister, friend. He's going to judge you based on the word of truth that you hear today. You should not have come in this building today if you didn't want to hear the truth of God. You ain't going to run from this anymore because God is speaking to you. God is telling you you must be born again. God is saying he wants you to go to heaven because he loves you just like he loved these unruly characters. Because we're unruly characters ourselves. We're living in sin. Some of you smoking dope, drinking beer. You're doing everything. You're running wild out in society. And you're going, what are we supposed to do? That's just what everybody's doing. Everybody's not doing it. Christians will stand up and say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be a part of that. My life, I want to be holy as God is holy, says the Lord. He said, well, I just, I just got this little problem, Pastor. Well, there's no little problem to God. Here's the good news. There's no big problems to God either. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Do you think God loved you when he put you together? Some of you, I wonder, because I'm looking at you. You look as funny as I do. You're as crazy as I am, right? How many of y'all are wound tight? God just wound you tight in your mother's womb. Me too. Ask my mother. She's right here. I come out kicking and screaming and causing problems ever since. Right? You can amen that if you wanted to. But look around. Isn't God amazing? There's some funny looking people in this room. I see all of you. Look at my hair. I said, I'll never have a hair. I, I, I used to, Wendy laughed at me. She said, 
You used to always laugh when I was not a Christian. You used to make fun of fat guys and guys with a horseshoe haircut. And look what I got. <laughs> Y'all, listen, it comes around, right? Here's what I want you to understand. All of us have character flaws. But God's in the business of this big word I told you, sanctification. He saved me. I got saved when I was 21 years old. Know that I know that I know that I was saved in Emmanuel Baptist Church on Battlefield Boulevard in Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia. Without a doubt, you can't take it away. You say, were you baptized as a kid? I was as a kid, but I wasn't sure 100% then. I'm not going to blame the 8-year-old boy for something that a 21-year-old man should understand. I want to tell you I understood it fully at age 21. I was truly saved. My life changed. My language changed. My wants to changed. But I still had problems. I, I was bumped up, right? I was messed up. But day by day, the big word sanctification is, hey, you've been set apart. There's something new about you. You've been made new. You still got all those other character flaws. God goes up. It's like a water dam and the little boy that stuck his finger in the dike. Have you ever seen that picture in the encyclopedia? Some of y'all don't even know what an encyclopedia is. But I used to look at that picture going, boy, I've got ten fingers. He better hope the holes don't come anywhere else. Anybody ever seen that picture? Messed up picture, isn't it? But God starts putting filler in those holes, and he says, I'll fix that one. But Lord, I just have a problem with talking about people. I just can't help but God. I'll fix that. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. That's what the scripture says. And if you say, well, I just can't. I just struggle. Well, then how about grab a handful of your tongue and hold on to it? If you've got a mouthy person around you, look, just, just reach over. If your spouse is a mouthy person, just reach over and grab a handful of their tongue. Just hold on to it during church, right? If your kids are mouthy, just grab a handful of their tongue and hold on to it. You say, I'd never do that. Me either. That's kind of gross, right? But that's what the Lord tells you. Keep your, listen, keep it from evil. Speaking lies. Stop it. That's from the Word of God. Watch this. This is good stuff. He loved his disciples like only God can. He enjoyed their fellowship with them. He loved being with these guys. Why? Because he's God. He loved them. He even told them, he said, listen, he knew all the character issues, right? Because who created these men? He did, because he's God. And he said, hey, boys, listen up. I just want you to know this. This is for the whole world, past, present, future. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's me, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but bro, you listen, you're going to have everlasting life. That's a gift of God. Because he loved us. That's what's capital for God. He loved us. When we're unloving, he loved us. When we're lovable, he loved us. And same thing with these boys. Jesus knew Judas had heart problems. Did y'all know that? He knew Judas was under the influence of the devil and that he would betray him. Jesus is a heart reader. I'm going to say this twice in the sermon at least. He read Judas's heart. He knew that Judas was being influenced. How about today? Look at me real quick. I know some of you sleep. You missed out on your naps last night, but look up here. Jesus is reading your heart. 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 And Jesus is reading your heart. You can't lie to him. He's a heart reader. He knows your thoughts. And that heart is the mind, the will, the conscience. Just like the psalmist says, my soul knows full well. That's what he's talking about. My soul knows that he's reading my heart. It, you, you can't keep it secret. You can't keep your quiet thoughts private. You can't because he, it's open record in heaven. He hears what you're saying. He knows what you're thinking. The psalmist says in Psalm 124, he knows my rising up, my lying down. He knows everywhere I go, he knows. We serve a good God, right? But we serve, it's kind of scary too. Though he's, it's, I'm fearful of God in the sense that I'm afraid of him. 
but I fearfully respect him at the same time. He could crush me like a bug in a moment, right? So let me get out of line with God. And we've heard some revelations of things that happened this week. If you haven't been watching the news, especially even in the Southern Baptist Convention, I, I told Wendy, I would rather Wendy, I would rather die than have some of this mess happen to me. I pray, and I prayed, Lord, kill me before I do some stupid stuff like some of these preachers I looked up to. Lord, kill me dead before I even have an opportunity to have that second thought, right? Because you'd be tempted. Jesus was tempted. That's not sin. But when you act on a sin, that's when sin comes in. And like Jesus told Cain, why are you so angry? And Cain, fat lip, you see Cain like a teenage boy. <laughs> you didn't receive my stuff. You had able stuff. He cried like a baby. Can you imagine if we actually had it hard in this country? Half our teenagers, need to, half our adults now need to get shipped over to a third world country and go live a month somewhere else and realize how good you got it. I cannot stand to hear anybody complain about, I had to work this weekend. You have a job, and that job gives you money for food, and you have a house and a car. Stop complaining. We remember, we remember. Got a day off, let's go to the beach. Can't believe this traffic. Man, look at the price of gas. Don't go to the beach, you'll save a lot of gas. Don't go to the lake, you'll save some gas. Stop complaining. If you do go, shut up. In Jesus' name, give him thanks. Amen? Stop complaining. All these little whiny kids, Mama, I want an iPhone 13. I need a better one. Get over yourself. It's killing our kids. We're killing ourselves. And we call it all in Jesus' name. Oh, bless the name. Right? We come in here, and then Monday through Saturday, we live like the world. God forbid. No wonder anybody wants to be a part of a Christian church these days. We're not living up to our expectations. We've been washed, but we're not living clean. Let's get to the notes. I want to finish this up because you need to take this away with you. God knew Jesus had a heart problem. Jesus did. Jesus still washed his feet. He knows I have heart issues sometimes, and he still washes my feet. He still cleanses me from within. What an amazing God. Jesus also knew God had put everything into his hands. God, Jesus knew. He said, look, everything, all, A-L-L, is in my hands. You say, well, where's that in the Bible? Right there in the scripture. Look for yourself. Everything, all, was given into his hands. Verse 3. But then he says again, when, after resurrection, what does he say? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How much authority does Jesus have today? All, every single bit of authority. Why are you worried about your life? What are you going to do tomorrow? Don't worry about tomorrow, James says, because tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Get through today. Plant your seeds while it's time. Plant those glorious, wonderful, holy seeds in the people's lives today. Tell the truth in love. Go out and tell someone how much you love them. Give someone a holy kiss on the cheek. Do something good for somebody. Get yourself off yourself and get on to somebody else. When you start serving other people, this is what Jesus was trying to show them. When you start having servant leadership, people will follow you and going, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. That's what these guys, they're, they're watching. And Jesus said, I understand you guys don't understand what I'm doing. But you will understand. He had a plan. Let me go quicker. Verse 4 and 5, Jesus washed and dried the disciples' feet after supper. This was typically a job for servants to do before supper. When they came in the room, the Bible says there's nobody there to wash their feet. They just came on in like a bunch of guys would, and they sit down and reclined and ate. The servants would wash their feet, but there was no servants there to wash their feet. Who was the servant? His name was Jesus. He came and served them. You say, well, I don't like that word servant. Well, here's the deal. There's another one of those you can get over, right? Build a bridge. Because the word of God says so. God said so. This is Jesus talking. 
God demonstrated humility before his creatures, y'all. Isaiah 53 said he would be the suffering servant. He would be the servant of God, a.k.a. he is God. Is that not a wonderful God we serve? He would wash these stinking feet. These men's feet were dirty. We always tell the kids at our school, and they're like, oh, watch them roll their heads. Look up this way. Look at a teenager. We talk about gutters, right? God's put gutters on every te- everybody. We got cracks and gutters that lead all the way down to our feet. That's why your feet stink. Anybody got really stinky feet this morning? Don't raise your hand, by the way. Don't incriminate yourself. But them stinking feet come from everything that's draining off your body, all the way off your, all your body into your shoes. These men face the same thing. Their sandals were dirty from those dirty dirt roads. And here they are reclined with dirty feet. They got their feet at the table because they, they used to recline on the floor at the table. And they ate their meal, and then Jesus washes their feet. Unheard of. Even the servants wouldn't do it after supper. It had to be done before. Jesus had a plan. He was trying to show these boys something. Peter felt unworthy for Jesus to wash his feet. He initially refused to be washed. And Jesus acknowledged that the disciples did not understand what he was doing for them, but the time would come when they would have clarity of the act. This is when the Bible says, he says, remember, remember his words. They remembered his words. After the resurrection, they go, we remember he said, we remember. And it was constantly remembering things that were happening with the disciples because God said, I'll bring back all things back to your what? Remembrance. Don't worry about what you're going to say when you stand before these men, right? Don't give, give an answer for your faith. I'm going to bring back things to your memory. What a beautiful thing. This is the one that needs that correction. Jesus instructed the disciples about their spiritual cleansing. This type of cleansing only, I put on, only comes through the Holy Spirit. Only through the Holy Spirit. Verse 10. Verse 11, Jesus spoke to Judas about his spiritual darkness. He told Judas and all the other disciples that the one of them was unclean. Last thing in your notes. Jesus is a what? Heart reader. This is funny. He read Peter's heart and he read Judas's heart. Which heart would you rather have this morning? Lord, not me. You can't wash my feet. Listen, you're the master. Even though there's a little bit of pride stuck in there too because we know he's going he's gonna to deny him shortly. But Peter had a heart after God. Judas had a heart after money. He wanted riches. He wanted to be rich in this life. I want to make it this year. I want to actually be a star. My goal is to be up there on Broadway. That's my goal. And by the way, Judas, he, he walked all the way down Broadway and he got the results of Broadway as well. Judas is in hell, to his own place, the Bible says. Well, Jesus is still reading hearts today. Here's the question. What is he showing you about your heart? Do you have a heart like Peter where you're humble before the Lord? Say, no, Lord, not, not, surely you couldn't use me. The Lord says, you. You won't understand this right now, but I'm going to use you. You say, well, I wish you'd go ahead and make me, show me something. Listen, he's building your character. He's got to fix some things in your life. He might be just on the precipice of fixing your character. And you say, well, I'm already retired. I'm just getting started. Here's the deal. Does he pick an age? Has anybody got a character flaw in the building? I do. Guess who wants to fix it? Jesus. And he'll say, let's fix that. And how does he fix it? He'll take the word of God. It's like pouring cement in that hole. He's going to clog it up. And he's going to move it forward. And he's going to use it for his glory. What was once bad will now be used for his glory. Here's what I want you to understand. Turn this last patch. Let's leave it out here with a good note. Psalm 108. I want you to do this when you get out. I think it's still sunshiny outside. I think it's still nice outside. My question is, are you a faithful follower of Jesus? Turn to Psalm 108. Why the Psalms bleed into this? Because last night I was going to bed and I jumped back up, and the Lord's like, hey, don't always leave with a thunder. And we know he says in the two, you were heavy today. 
I'm not trying to be. Yo, I just want you to change. I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to serve like Jesus. I get convicted first that I need to make these changes. Look at Psalm 108, and we'll finish on this. Look, this is good, good news. Let me leave you with this thought. Psalm 108. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, lute and heart. These are musical instruments. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. And I will sing praises to you among the nations. Watch this. Verse 4 is what I want you to focus on. Laser beam here. For your mercy is great above the heavens and your truth reaches to the, what does your Bible say? Sky or the clouds. I love it that my translation says the clouds. So here's what I'd like for you to do. If you bummed out and you think, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, poor is me, woe is me, I don't have this problem, this problem. We all got, all God's children got problems, right? When you walk out that door, I want you to look up at the sky. First thing I want you to do, don't talk to your neighbor, just look up at the sky and go, that's how much he loves me. And you can even measure like this if you want to, right? That's how much he loves you. Go find the cloud. Every time that you, you ever do the little, what the pictures are in the cloud thing, lay on your back? How many of y'all do that? All right, have you ever done that? Some of you need to get outside and lay on your back, right? Go get in a grassy field at Citizens Park and look up and see the elephants and kangaroos and all the stuff that God puts in the clouds. It's worth a ton of time with your kids or grandkids. But some of you need to realize that he loves you that much. He's trying to tell you the truth. You didn't come here by accident today. I want you here. But if you don't care about God, listen, he's trying to tell you, I love you this much. And the Bible says his mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is God giving you, not giving you what you deserve. All of us in this room, none of us, are so good that we deserve to go to heaven. It is God and only God who applies, listen, his grace to you. He said, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you my son, Jesus Christ. I gave him to you to live here, and I gave him to you to dwell among you, and I gave him to save you. And if you would receive my grace, my faith, listen, I'll be your father. And then I won't put the judgment of my wrath on you. But let me tell you all this. Listen, y'all can look at me and be square like this. And everybody watching by television or wherever they're watching. If you receive the truth of God, you walk it every day and go, look, at, man, how much God loves me. Straight from here to the sky, right? Little kids do like this. How much does your mama love you? They'll be like stretching like way back here like this, right? Well, God don't stretch like this. He does like this. Look up there. That's how much I love you. That's how much my truth is real. So much of my mercy is I'm not going to judge you if you belong to me. But let me tell you this. You can count this to be true if you've never received Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You're going to get the thump from God. His wrath, his anger, everything's coming on you. You say, well, I, I'm in my situation. I can't get out of it. Oh, you can always get out of it, can't you? You made a decision to come here today. You can say no to something you said yes to yesterday. If God convicts you that it's wrong, then it's wrong. Walk away from it. You say, well, Pastor, some, too many loose ends. Hey, that's between you and God. You've got to make that decision today. I have to make decisions I have to make today. Walk away from a relationship. Walk away from something, a business deal. Walk away from a job. Walk into a job. Whatever it might be, you've got to get busy with God. If God speaks on it, then you've got to deal with that truth. Do it right away because Satan's going to come and go, you believe all that stuff, all that rhetoric the pastor's talking about. That's just stuff. Don't worry about that stuff. You keep going what you're doing. If you don't have clarity in life, listen, we talk about all the confusions in life. I know it's post all over the place. Ginger confusion, right? People don't know if they're confused. If there's every word confusion mixed with it, it's because the devil's the author of confusion. If you don't have clarity today, listen, the Bible speaks with complete clarity.
all of us have to make a decision. Will we follow that truth or will we reject that truth? You've already been washed. Listen, if you're a Christian today, you've been washed clean. He just wants to actually start working on those details in your life. You've got to clean that character. When he speaks, you respond. But listen, you might be like Judas here today. You've never given your life to Jesus. Judas was playing the game. He was at church every time Jesus was at church. He was in the worship service. He was actually even there when they cast out demons and he let the prince of demons enter into him. He kicked out demons out of people's lives and yet the devil himself possessed Judas because he let him, because his character, his nature was out of darkness. Friend, listen, it's a dangerous place to be far from God. But it's a beautiful place to be. Let me encourage you today. Listen, when you go outside, you can see the love of God or you can see the judgment of God when you look up at that sky. I'm going to see the love of God when I walk out because he saved me. I belong to him. I'm a child of the king. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, today, heavy message, heavy lifting, but you did this for the disciples to demonstrate to them servant leadership. They didn't get it. Lord, today, some of us don't get it sometimes, but until we, you come to us, and Lord, you reveal in love what you want to do in our life. Oh, Lord, how we need the Holy Spirit's guidance. Help us to listen, Lord. We've gotten so much noise in our society. The radio's too loud. The television's too loud. The phone's too loud. Lord, help us to hear past all the noise of society, all the noise of those voices speaking in our ears that are telling us to do the wrong thing, to end our life, to do the wrong thing in relationships. Help us, Lord, to fight through through the power of the Holy Spirit and receive that free, wonderful gift of the clarity of the Holy Spirit. For my Christian brothers and sisters, Lord, I rejoice for them. If we can look up today and look at that blue sky, look at the clouds and say, wow, what a wonderful Savior. He loves me. And for my friends who aren't sure or they're lost, Lord, my heart breaks for them. I used to be there. I'd sit in church service after church service too. Father, would you break through their hardness, their embarrassment, their stiff-neckedness, their religion, whatever it might be, and release them today and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Pray these things in the wonderful and precious holy name of Jesus for his sake. Amen.